morning. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Give one more welcome to whoever's sitting by you, and uh, we're getting ready to continue with our time of worship of the Lord. Uh, it is good to have you here this morning. We know there's a lot of people enjoying some warm weather down south for this spring break, but here we are together today. It's a little bit colder than it was a few days ago, but it's getting there, right? Did everybody see the snow flurries? I'm simply thankful that those are probably the last snow flurries of this year, so we can be thankful for that. Uh, we are in our sermon series, Simply Thankful, and we are focusing on the things in Christ that we should truly be simply thankful for. Uh, first, uh, in Parts 1, 2, 3, and 4, we were simply thankful for Jesus' life, that he came into the world to give the freedom of choice to those who would receive and believe in him and find salvation. Simply thankful for Jesus' teachings, that he was clear and spoke with authority from God, and he reminded all people that salvation comes through the born-again experience when one is born from above by the Holy Spirit through the receiving and the believing in Jesus Christ. Part three, simply thankful for Jesus' humility. And in that, we watch as Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And the lesson out of that was that you and I, if we're going to be like Jesus, we are called, like he called his disciples, to be people of humility and consider others better than ourselves. And we know how difficult that can be. But to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, to be his servants, and we will be more like him when we look at his humility and bring it into our life. Last week, we said we were simply thankful for the compassion of Jesus as we looked at two sisters mourning the death of their brother Lazarus and Jesus reminding them, because I live, he will live. Because I live, you will live. Because I live, you will never die. Do you believe this? And that was the challenge to see as Jesus wept through those tears that there was compassion in his heart for all mankind. And so these are some wonderful spiritual truths that you and I can hold near and dear to our hearts and be simply thankful for. Today, in part five, we are simply thankful for Jesus' submission. And we're going to talk about this idea of submission. But I want to get there this way. I brought a coffee cup. I, I collect coffee cups. It just seems to be something that happens because uh, people give me coffee cups for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I love coffee, but uh, I got a coffee cup given to me last few weeks ago, just a beautiful blue coffee cup with a bike on it and the most encouraging note you know, I think maybe I'd ever received. And uh, I call that, I guess, metaphorically, uh, the cup of friendship. But just that cup from somebody it meant a lot and, and what they said. And uh, I think about it when I use it in the morning. I got a cup a few years ago from our first grandson. You know, I guess his 
Uh, Mom actually made it, but it was from Caleb, and it was number one grandpa. And I put that one up in the china cabinet, and I don't use that coffee cup because that is like a special coffee cup reminding me of a special time. And maybe one of these days I'll drink something out of it. Uh, I've got this coffee cup. It says Barbara on the front of it. The best I can figure uh, from her is it's 60 to 65 years old. Now, I've never used it. It sets in the coffee cabinet. Uh, She is 85 years old now, Dee's mother, doing pretty well, but does struggle with dementia and is uh, in those later years doing her best just to survive, but simply thankful that God has blessed her to live close to a son, that she can still be in her home and is able to do things and take care of herself. But she gave me this coffee cup that she bought when she was very young, and she used it every time I would see her through all the years of knowing her, and I've known her 40 years. This was the cup that she drank out of. Uh, We sat down many mornings, and discuss things in the world, discuss life, good times, bad times. Uh, she had a very difficult life growing up, uh, very abusive parents, and uh, then married a man that she loved who died of heart problems suddenly at the age of 39 and uh, raised her children on her own and battled to do that. But this coffee cup she gave to me about three years ago. And uh, Dee sort of thinks she gave it to both of us, but she gave it to me. I'll, I'll let Dee look at it and hold it once in a while. But this cup reminds me of my mother-in-law. And everything that she went through, through all of her years drinking this cup, and she always believed that God was with her always believed that God was taking care of her, always believed that God was providing for her, even in the most difficult trials of her life. And so I treasure this cup, and I say to you, there is a cup that we all drink from. The Bible talks about several cups. It talks about the cup of of God's wrath. That a day is coming when those who would not receive and those who would not believe in the final end of all things, they will drink from the cup of God's wrath. And wrath is tied into final destruction, everlasting suffering, separation from God, Doom and damnation and hell and all those words that we hear little about anymore, but are right there in Scripture. God came into this world through the person of Jesus Christ to provide the atonement for sin so that anyone might come to Him and receive Him and believe in Him and be saved from eternal separation. So there is the cup of curses, the cup of abomination. And no one 
should want to drink from that cup. I don't want that cup. You shouldn't want that cup. That's why, as a messenger of God, like the rest of you, I say, receive Him. Believe in Him. Take that first step of faith, no matter how small it is. Because that's what the Lord wants you to do. And when you move in His direction, just like the prodigal son story, He will come running to you. So, this word submit or submission in the Bible literally means to arrange under, to subordinate, to obey, be under obedience, put under or submit oneself unto. And in other words, it is to, in your mind and in your spirit, humble yourself. And place yourself willingly under another. That's what submission is. When God tells his people to submit to one another, he is saying, place yourself under another for the purpose of that individual being blessed by your example. Because if we're called to place ourselves under one another, and everybody's doing that retrospectively of each other, there is a humility and there is a common good and interest that we are having because of the Lord. Others are blessed by it. You know, throughout Scripture, again and again, you hear the call, the admonition, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up. Those that are humble, the Scriptures say, He exalts. You see that many different ways. But the message is, let your Lord lift you up. And your Lord will lift you up when you humble yourselves in His sight. When you submit yourself to God, we have to choose to willingly take steps and say, Lord, you are in heaven. I am on earth. You are on your throne and I come humbly before you to submit, line up under, be obedient to your call and will on my life. I think what happens to many of us, we forget that that is the call on our lives. To really make God greater, to know that He is our all, to know that He is life and that He is master. He is the potter and we are the clay. He is God. And we are not. And we put Him in His rightful place. And as the Ecclesiastes writer say, 
We stand in awe of God. Maybe we don't teach it enough. Maybe we weren't taught it whenever we were looking at the Lord in those early years of our faith. But whatever the reason, we called to be subordinate, to be submissive, to be subjective to God. And Jesus Christ is the greatest example of that. We, in our human nature, are prone to do it our own way. I mean, it's just in our nature to do it our own way. I've got three grandsons, and I am like relearning how uh, willful young boys can be. I was trying to keep our littlest, he's a year and two months old, from messing around this electrical socket and pulling out this wire. And and I was sort of trying to gently hold him off. And he yanked away from me so hard. And when he did, he spun around and fell and hit his face in the fireplace and tears and cry. It's like, what are you doing jerking away like that? Or our three-year-old. And I'm the one to give him snacks. Don't get me wrong. But at some point, you got to pull back and say, no, you got to eat this before you get those M&Ms. And it's like meltdown. Willful. I mean, it's just, it's in our nature to want to do it our way. Got bunk beds. I said, you know, why don't we just set them up on the floor and bunk bed them later when Caleb's a little older than five. Ashley's like, they're good. They're looking forward to it. Put them up as bunk beds. And we did. And all, Caleb, do not lean over the edge. Do not lean over the edge. That's all he wanted to do is lean over the edge and look at his brother down below. And it's like, we're just so good at not following instruction. Now, those are silly examples, but we all know what we're talking about here in our own lives. Do you know the Bible really does tell us to submit to one another? Out of each other's interests. To consider others better than yourself. But when we submit to God, it is absolutely for our best interest and our good. But so often, it's just so hard. God says, keep no record of wrongs. Yet we know in our hearts, we could write a list of all the grievances and records of wrongs, right? But we submit. And there's blessing. And we'll look at those blessings near the end of this lesson. But I just wanted to get us on this page of there is a cup called submission. And God's people drank out of that cup every day. Last week, as we talked about the compassion of Jesus, we saw him weep two times over his compassion for Mary and Martha and the other Jews who were struggling with the loss of Lazarus.
Here is a unique passage in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, that gives another insight, although it seems that the text has to do with the Garden of Gethsemane. I want you to read along with me and just uh, listen. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. If you look down there at the bottom in real bold, the King James Version really hits this the most literally. He, he, uh, with strong crying and tears. And so the point is, during the life of Jesus, not just this one episode that we read about in John chapter 11 at Lazarus' tomb, but during the life of Jesus, His life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions. He did that with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. We'll look at the text where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's crying out to the Father regarding his life, regarding the cup of trial that the Lord is giving him to drink. But he cries to the one who could save him from death. And the writer he says, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. There it is. Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Messiah, reverently submitted to God his Father. And that's why when you hear Jesus say, I do nothing unless my Father gives me the words or tells me to do it. He submitted his life to the Lord, but he did it reverently. He did it humbly. And so we look at our lives. And there may be things that God is telling us to do or not to do. And yet, we can do those things or not do those things in submission to God, but it might not be reverent submission. And what God is getting at in our lives is for us to be like Christ and to mature and grow past the, I'm doing it, but I don't like it. I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it, and to embrace through the Spirit that maturity, that seasoning in our lives that we reverently and humbly submit to His call on our life, no matter what cup He might call us to drink out of. David, we'll look at this text a little bit later, he says God gives us Different cups to drink of. Sometimes it's, it's grief and struggle and burdens, but sometimes it's a cup of, of glory. But whatever God chooses to give us, we drink out of that cup. And our attitude is a right attitude. And so whatever it is that God's doing in your life, Whatever He's calling you to through His Word. Do you hear me? Through His Word. Not just some thought that you think the Lord gave you. Not just something someone told you. But what God is calling you to do 
through His Word. Because His Word is truth. And many things that people share isn't always truth. And a lot of times the things that we feel are just our emotions and thoughts and they're misguided. But His Word is solid and it's where we take our stand and it's where we find our truth. And so we see the reverent submission of Jesus Christ. He chose to align Himself under His Father. And that's what Philippians chapter 2 is all about, if you want to read it later. Now, it's interesting to me, and I think the Hebrew writer must have done this for this purpose. He was heard, Jesus, because of His reverent submission. When you go to the text in Luke 22 that we're going to be looking at, which most scholars and theologians think that's what this is in reference to. Lord, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now we know the outcome. We know that the prayer was not answered because of the cross, right? But yet this writer says that Jesus was heard. Now here's another spiritual principle and truth for us all. Because we pray, whether it's petitions or supplication, we pray and we make requests to God. And whenever those prayers are not answered the way that we ask them to be answered, we think that God hasn't heard us. Or God doesn't care, or that God doesn't love me, or God is just not listening to me. But you can see clearly with me the text. The text says it all. He was heard because of reverent and humble submission to the Lord. He was heard, but God has a cup for Jesus to drink. Jesus at a point, wanted that cup to be taken away. And he does cry through tears as he prays to the Father. But in his life, the cup was not taken away. Did that mean that God didn't hear him? No. Did it mean that God didn't love him? No. It means that God is sovereign. And God has a purpose and God has a plan. And His will will be done in the life of Jesus and in your life and mine. And we can express how we feel. We can take it before the Lord. God, that's not fair. Lord, why is this happening? We, we can express the emotion. But God's will is ultimately done in our lives. And how will we accept that will? I hope that like Christ, we will accept it with reverent submission in all things.
So here's the Luke 22 passage. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Here Jesus is at one of the most critical moments in his life. A lot on his mind, a lot on his heart. He knows what's getting ready to take place. And he knows how gruesome it's going to be. It's going to be painful. It's going to be death on a cross. It's going to be separation for the first time in his existence from his Father in heaven. He knows what's coming. And he asks the disciples to pray so that through this whole process, that they don't stumble or they don't fall into temptation. He withdrew about stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. You know, this really should not be a trite expression in our thoughts. This should be an expression that we see pouring out of the heart of Jesus in prayer to His Father for the time and circumstances that He finds Himself in. He addresses Him as Father. If you notice Mark, he writes, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. I mean, there's no mistake that Jesus is asking God, is there another way? Can you, can you remove this? I don't want to drink this cup. This is the cup of suffering. Nobody wants to suffer. Nobody. But this is the cup of suffering. Do you remember the disciples? The mother comes and says, Grant that my two sons can sit at your left and your right in your kingdom. And Jesus says to Salome, You don't know what you're asking. Those places are sovereign choice of God the Father. But you will indeed, they will too, drink my cup. The cup of suffering. Has God planned in His sovereign will for you and I to drink of the cup of suffering? Absolutely. And there is no pretty way to say that suffering is easy. Suffering. Take this cup from me. So in your life, like Christ, make all your requests known. Share your true heart. Do it through tears. Do it through repetitive praying and crying out to God. But when God opens a door, closes the door, walk through it with reverent submission in your life. Because that honors God. It gives God glory 
through your life. And when we do that, we really know, we really do know that we are disciples of the King. An angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Why is that there? Because it is emphasizing to us how extreme the mental and physical fatigue was upon Jesus. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. A lot of discussion about this passage. Was it really blood? There is a, a physical diagnosis where people under extreme conditions of stress, sweat, type of blood. But the point that we don't miss is that Jesus was in such anguish that an angel had to come and strengthen him. And then he continued to sweat as though it was drops of blood. This is anguish. This is what we're looking at as we come in to the Easter season in April. This is what we'll be talking about with the Jews for Jesus as we look at the ancient Passover and the painting of blood on the doorposts so that the destroying angel would pass over the people of Israel and how all that ties in with Jesus being the Passover lamb. It's what Good Friday is all about. It's what the triumphal entry is all about. It's what Easter Sunday is all about. This is the cup of suffering. And it was of a great cost to Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to drink from that cup of suffering. Listen to Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial which comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Nothing strange. This is, this is normal. How are you going to react? Listen, uh, this is sort of a sidestep for me in this passage of Scripture. And most of you, you've known me for 13 years and you, you know the things I think and the way I preach. I'm not a doomsday prophet. I don't prophesy things that I don't have from the Lord. There's a lot about apocalyptic literature that is just, it's there and, and we get bits and pieces uh, that can give us some truth, but you've got to be careful of the thus saith the Lord. But we are definitely living in a time where there is a growing cold of the things of God. It is just a fact. I personally believe that the persecution of Christians will increase in the days of head ahead and will go from bad to worse and how will we respond if it happens so peter 
He says, even then, so many years ago, to those that were being persecuted, crucified, sawn in two, thrown to dogs to be torn apart, thrown in the Colosseum to the lions, burned at the stake like Polycarp for their faith, these things happen. And if they are happening to us in different and varying degrees of our life, we don't desert God, we don't abandon God, we cling to God in greater ways through reverent submission. Because the body in this world may be killed, but we are in awe of the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. Do not be surprised at that fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. That's what we're looking for. That's the long game. We love God. We are thankful for what He's done for our lives. We are blessed knowing that because He lives, we're going to live. That... This body will be cast to the ground, but He will resurrect it on the day of His coming, His great turn, when that mighty trumpet blasts and the angels of God empty out of heaven and we are caught up in the skies and our bodies are transformed into heavenly bodies. So we rejoice. Whatever we have to suffer with Christ, we gladly embrace it the best that we can. But it happens in different degrees now and in the future, maybe even more severe. But cling to God. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you're ridiculed, called crazy, called simple-minded because you love the Lord, if people say of you it's just a crutch, you are blessed. Don't be offended. You're blessed. God's hand of favor is upon you. It's a fulfillment of this passage of Scripture. Now, don't go out of your way to try to offend people. Don't be a bifumper in the sense that you're doing it in a way that you're bringing more glory to yourself than God. It's all about God. It's not about you at all. But when it happens, fulfillment of the passage, be of good cheer, take heart, the Lord with you, and He is glorified and honored. This is what David says, the Lord is my chosen portion, and my cup. You hold my lot, God. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I drink from that cup because you give me my portion because you are my portion. Beautiful passage. But look at this cup. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which He give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? When we take Communion, the Lord's Supper. We drink from that little cup 
of grape juice. And we eat of that wafer. The cup symbolizes his blood. The wafer symbolizes his body given for us. But when we drink that cup, the reason that we're so careful to drink it and have a right mind in the way that we're taking it in is because it is a cup of thanksgiving for all that he did through his suffering for us to redeem us. And so no matter how many times we take it, no matter how often we take it, we never take it flippantly. We never take it casually. We take it in reverent submission. And we enjoin ourselves to His suffering in our lives. And we drink this cup of thanksgiving on the first day of every week to give thanks and to show that we are His. And we're proud of it. And we're thankful for it. And we love Him. And that we honor Him. And that we hold Him high. That He is our all. He's our breath. He's our life. He is our Lord. He is our King. Submit reverently as Christ submitted reverently. And so James, in chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I'm simply thankful for the submission of Jesus because it changed every believer's life and his submission gives us all hope. Jesus learned obedience through suffering, right? If you read down through Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, just past the reverent submission, you hear that writer say, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. There are things that we learn through suffering. But we never get to learn them in the natural progression of the text until we submit with the right mindset. And then we go through the suffering. And just like Christ, He learned obedience. Perfect obedience. So one of the things that we learn through submission is obedience. Trust and obey. The old song that should be a new song in our hearts is trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We learn obedience. But also through submission, we learn steadfastness. Perseverance. Whatever word you like, we, we learn that through the suffering, we continue through the power of God who gives us the strength to endure whatever He brings into our lives. And we learn that, yes, through God I'm strong enough. Through Christ I can do anything that He gives me to do. So we learn obedience. 
through suffering. We learn steadfastness through submission and suffering. And we learn dependence on God. David in Psalm 116 near the end says, When I went my own way, I was afflicted. But now I walk in your word. When I went my own way, arrogant, prideful, it's all about me, I was afflicted. But now I walk in your word. Humble submission before God and a blessed life used by God. And fourth, reverent submission teaches us to pray. There's nothing quite like fear or worry or concern or sickness, one's health in jeopardy, that moves us to pray like we otherwise would not pray. I used to be the most apprehensive flyer because the scripture said, Lo, I am with you. I didn't want to get in that plane. wasn't in control. You know, my grandma told me, well, if it's not your time to go, it's, it's not your time to go. And I thought, oh, okay. But then she added, but if it's, just hope it's not the pilot's time to go. You know, it's like stuff like that. I don't like that. That's not funny. Because that could be true. We've got to trust God in absolutely every way because when we are in those kinds of moments, whatever it is for us, we get deep on our hands and knees in prayer. You know it, don't you, parents, because you pray for your children. You ask God to intervene. You pray for their spouses. You pray for their children's children. You pray for your health. You pray for God to open this door. You pray for God to close this door. You pray, God, give me this attitude. Give me this spirit. I don't have it. And it's bringing suffering, pain, fear in my life, anxiety like anxiety. Reverent submission teaches obedience, steadfastness, dependence on God, and teaches us a deeper sense of prayer. May God receive the glory and let all his people say amen and let us be simply thankful for the submission of Jesus Christ that offers hope to the world and gives an example to all, especially the people of God. Let us stand. Father, as we continue in our time of worship of you and as our worship team leads us in this beautiful song that reminds us that Jesus is the Lamb. We just ask your blessing on all that are here. Father, if there's anyone here that's willing to take the step because you're moving in their life to receive you, to believe you, to trust you, we just pray that they would come forward and speak to a prayer team member, myself, or someone in this church to help them take those next steps. We love you, Lord. Exalt your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.